Some people wonder what pastors do during the week. Well, now you know. I got a little buzz up here if you can, uh, thank you. Hey, I can't believe how many people are here on Memorial Day. This is really incredible. I, I'm just so thankful. I, I was told, be prepared. This is the day when no one, no one comes. Everyone's out on vacation. I'm sure some of you are saying, oh, he didn't even expect us to be here. What are we doing here? Well, I'm so glad you're here. I really am. I, I'm excited. Today we start a brand new lesson series, discussion series on Sunday morning. And I invite you, grab your study guide that's on the back of your worship folder and turn that thing over. We got a little bit of work to do here this morning. One thing we're going to do today, starting out, so don't turn your cell phones off. You can silence them, but hold on to them. Uh, at the end of our discussion time, we're going to do some text message questions. And the, the number for that, I think it's up on your screen, is 231-492-5678. Um, That's 231-492-5673. And you're going to see that throughout our time uh, here this morning. So make sure you follow along. And if you have any questions that come up, during your time uh, as I'm talking or even a little bit later on, make sure you ship them in. We may not have time for every question, but we will get to as many as possible. That way we can further discuss and dive into this whole subject of being all in. Being all in. So fill in the blank. <clears throat> I would do anything for... And there are some things we are just so passionate about for which we would shell out the money, we would drop everything we we're doing, we would clear the schedule, we would inconvenience ourselves, we would do hard, intense physical labor, we would endure personal loss because we would do anything for and fill in the blank. Now today we celebrate Memorial Day. And obviously, we recognize the reality that there have been hundreds of thousands of people who were all in for our country and its freedom, and we are so thankful for that. I read a story this week of our founding fathers and the 56 people who signed the Declaration of Independence, and we would think that being one of the original signers would be you know, a big, prestigious position. It would be this opportunity where someone would be virtually untouchable. Listen to this account. The 56 people that signed the Declaration of Independence, their conviction resulted in untold sufferings for themselves and their families. And I never knew this until this week. Of the 56, five were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned Two lost their sons in the Revolutionary Army. Another two had sons that were captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardships of war. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, saw his ships sunk by the British Army. He sold his home and all of his property in order to be able to pay his debts, and he died in poverty. At the Battle of Yorktown, the British... General Cornwallis had taken over Thomas Nelson's home for their headquarters. And Nelson quietly ordered General George Washington to open fire on his own home. The home was destroyed. Nelson died bankrupt. 
John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside as she was dying. Their 13 children fled for their lives. His fields, his mill were destroyed. And for over a year, he lived in forest and in caves. And he returned home only to find his wife dead and his children vanished. And a few weeks later, he died from exhaustion. These folks were all in. And often, being all in is defined by our sacrifice. It's, it exudes a type of passion that because we would do anything for. Now, some of us would say, I, I would do anything for retirement. I would do anything for retirement. Some would say, I would do anything for winning a sport, or I would do anything for caring for my spouse, or I would do anything for caring for my children. And, you know, for all of you spiritual people out there right now, you're probably thinking in your head, I would do anything for a Klondike bar. <laughs> Tell me you didn't think about that, really. Well, the Church of Jesus was built on this whole principle of being all in. And you know, when you pick up the narrative about the disciples, possibly if you're familiar with some of these things, you might remember from the past, Jesus went to his disciples and he said to them, and these guys are out fishing, and he just said to them, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And what follows just blows me away because they said right at that point, um, the disciples just dropped everything. They dropped their nets. They walked away from the family business. They walked away from financial security. It says they, they dropped it all and they followed him. Can you imagine that? Some of these guys had it, they had it made. They had everything made. They had all of their, their fortune laying there. They had their future laying there. And they walked away not only from their nets and their boats, but also from, it said, they walked away from their father and followed after Jesus. That's a big deal. They were all in. And, and it was seen by their sacrifice. And then you go beyond that and you realize that the greatest example of being all in is that of Jesus himself. And, and you realize when we think of him being all in, we start at the cross, but it didn't start there because it started way before there when he left the recognition of heaven and he came to earth as a helpless infant who could do nothing for himself and was completely dependent on his mom for nursing and for changing and for health and vitality. And then beyond that, then we realize when he came to earth, he, people didn't care who he was. And he was reviled, and, and then he ultimately went to the cross. And when we think about being all in, he, he was in this depraved culture with no recognition. He was beaten and tortured to death, and he endured our penalty for our sin all upon himself. And there is absolutely no better example of being all in than that of jesus christ himself amen hey it's the way it is truth i've got some crazy beliefs i'm going to put these at you a couple of these are going to be uh, some blanks on your study guide i've got some crazy beliefs and here's what they are i believe we have the most exciting powerful life-changing message of all times at our fingertips and in our hearts 
this message we have is awesome. It is life-changing. It is so exciting, and, and it, is, it is better than OxyClean, folks. It is better than the Ginsu knife. It is even better than essential oils. It's better than the tummy wrap. It is somehow more exciting than anything you could ever imagine on this earth. And the thing that blows me away is when churches, people, and pastors make it boring. I really think there are some pastors that might need to be tried for malpractice. When they get up in front of people and this is a boring time, and this should be the most exciting and riveting time of all, when we crack open the sacred book of God and we show this life-changing message that he has for us. And I believe, folks, we have that and it is no less powerful today than what it was in the very moments that Jesus spoke it from his lips. And if lives are not being changed, and if people are not coming to Christ, it is not the fault of the message. There's no problem with the message. Here's number two crazy belief. Ready for this one. I also believe God's still building his church. I believe even hell can't hold back its advance. And so I put it this way. God has made his church unstoppable. Jesus said it himself, I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot prevent its advance. They cannot hold us back. Like ready or not, here we come. And the apostle Paul said that the church is the hope of the world. And yet at the same time, I don't know if you realize this, at the same time, over 3,000 Churches close their door in America every year. 3,000 churches in America close their, their doors every year. And, and, and in fact, I, I was, um, before I came here, I was in the uh, Baptist ministry, and there was this publication we would get monthly, a Baptist publication. We would open it up, and all these different organizations would put advertisements in there. I remember there was this one advertisement for a church planting ministry amongst baptists and this was their ad here's what it was it said are your church's doors closing what will you do with those assets give them to us really wouldn't you think your doors churches are closing we can help you Instead, just shut them, change the locks, give us the key, and we'll sell it. It's amazing. We have this life-changing message. We have this unstoppable force of the church. And how I know it's unstoppable is when time ends, folks, and God calls us to glory, the church is still there. We exist all the way up until he pulls us into heaven. Here's the last thing I have for you. I also believe, and this one is where we start some of the tender discussion and sensitive discussion we have. I believe that the growth cycle of most ministries ends. The growth cycle of most ministries end when it is more concerned about the desires of those within rather than reaching those without. 
when the church is no longer all in for the mission that we were called to do, when a ministry is only geared to connect with us, when we're geared to reach us, newsflash, we are all will reach. Find any period of growth in the New Testament church when people came to Christ and were baptized, and you will find it was fully focused on connecting those outside of the ministry with the life-changing message of the gospel of Christ in this unstoppable thing called the church. And was not terribly concerned about the preferences and rights of those on the inside. Now, in my previous ministry, I... Um, I remember one day I went to the only store in Norwich to go to, and that was Walmart. And I remember walking into Walmart, and there's this man that said, Pastor? And I really didn't recognize him. He came up and he said, um, I'm, and he gave me his name, and he said, I'm from this other church over here. I said, oh, well, good for you. And then he came out with this phrase that told, blew me away. He said, what's wrong with your church over there? I was dumping. I, I thought things were going well. He said, what is wrong with your church? And I said, I, I don't understand. He says, how come you're just not doing it like every other church does? He says, I, I'm, I want to tell you, I would never go to your church. And I just had to fight back the urge of thanking him <laughs> for, for never coming to my church, you know. But I didn't say it. I didn't say it. But I did say something that totally blew him away. He looked at me like I was from outer space. He, I told him something that was so incomprehensible, he couldn't even wrap his arms around it. And, and here's what I said. I said, you know what? We're not trying to reach you. You're already in church, right? And he says, yeah. I said, you stay there. I'm not trying to reach you. We're trying to reach people who aren't with us right now, who stepped away from God. And we want to connect with them. And, and so we're all in. We're all in. And, and then I said, so, but you must be all in. And I said, so when was the last time you led anyone to the Lord? It's amazing how quick he got back to shopping after that. I'm not sure if you can feel it, but our ministry at East Bay is starting to turn its face more outwardly. We are beginning to look outward and connect with our community, our region, and our world, and we have done minor things here um, with our service structure, with ministry methods, our kingdom kids during the main service, and, and I, I had someone just recently who would call themselves agnostic. After one of our services, came right up to me with a smile and put his hand up, and he said, Pastor, that made the most sense to me, and I loved the service. And I'm like, wow. We are starting to connect with those who truly need this message Single parents are with us. Grandparents helping to raise their grandkids are with us. I've seen people in these halls I've never seen before. And if we can sustain what we've experienced recently, 
I don't know if you realize this, but our Sunday morning attendance has increased 32% in the last 10 and a half months. Yeah, that's, that's what I say. Praise the Lord. And we have this great message in our hands. We have this beautiful thing of God's unstoppable church, and it grows when we are all in, and when we see how we can take this message and reach out to others more than being concerned with pleasing ourselves. And when we can say, I do anything for, folks, this is the best thing in the world that we could do anything for. It's the message of God. It's the mission of more and better disciples. And this is what it's all about. Now, we don't have tons of time today, but um, if you would, take your copy of the scriptures and turn to 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And we are going to be looking at an individual that was truly all in for the message of the gospel of Jesus. And I know that this won't be the biggest expose of first corinthians 9 that you'll ever hear but this is the introduction to our discussion series and then we're going to keep picking it up and moving along as we work through the next few weeks together so here in first corinthians 9 we're going to be talking about paul the apostle here's the life of a man that did anything folks he did anything so that the message of the gospel could get out with effectiveness to those who would hear it and here we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 3 through 12. I think we have the words on the screen uh, for us. Would you stand with me? I just want to look at this together, and then we're going to be talking about four things that the Apostle Paul gave up, and it showed that he was all in. He was totally in. So how about we read this together? Can we do that together? This is um, verses... Uh, 3, I think, through um, 12 of 1 Corinthians 9. Let's read together. This is my defense of those who sit in judgment on me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas? Or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for a living. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox, while it is treading out the grain, it is about the oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us. Because whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it not reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the we put up with anything rather than hinder. Have a seat, would you? 
This is where we're going to focus. Now think about it for a moment. Before we look at the Apostle Paul, what would keep us from spreading the gospel in our world? What would keep us from spreading the gospel in our world? What keeps churches from spreading the gospel in their world? Is there a law? Are we in fear for our lives? Are we in a hostile environment? And I want to give us something right now that I really, I know is toe-stepping but I really feel it's where the apostle leads us in this whole discussion. I really believe the biggest obstacle to the spreading of the gospel is us. That was Paul's reality. It's ours too. And we see this because the thing that he had to deal with to keep the gospel at the forefront was himself. But check this out. Let's just look at it together, these verses starting, um, even to back it up to verse 1, if you're there in your copy of the scriptures. I, I want you to see something about the apostle. Verses 1 through 3, he, he put it out there. I'm not, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus, our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? And he says, even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you, for you're the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. And he goes through a few other things. And so the very first thing that the apostle gave up there in your notes, it mentions, is recognition for his position. Now we all call him the apostle Paul, but back then, there were people who said, I don't know if you're really an apostle because you were not one of the original disciples. Did you physically see Jesus? I, I know you say you heard this voice and whatever on, you know, on this road, but did you really see Jesus? And so some people questioned, are you really an apostle? And they were down on him. And so <clears throat> here he was. He wasn't looked at in the same light as the other apostles. As Peter and James and the others, he wasn't treated as well as the other apostles. And we're going to see in a moment not, that not only affected his welcome, it also affected his wallet in a big way. But to him, he said, I don't care. I, it doesn't matter to me what you think of me. I may not get the recognition that I deserve, but I'm going to get the gospel out. And so... He willingly gave up recognition for his position just in order he could get the gospel message out. Here's number two. The potential of getting married. He also gave up the potential of getting married. Now, I don't understand all the events that surrounded Paul's singleness, but he seemed to tie his singleness into something that he embraced for the gospel of Jesus and in fact, that's what he says in 1 Corinthians 7. Um, he mentions in a couple places, he says, you know what, I, I'm not tied down by anything. I am free to go. 
And since he traveled so much, this guy traveled all over the place, it probably was better that he was single so he could be unhindered in any way to getting the gospel message out, and he sure did. Paul mentions he used his singleness so he could focus on the mission of God and how he could please the Lord. And others took the advantage to be married, and if you notice, it mentions um, in verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 9, don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and even Cephas? And you know who Cephas is? That was Peter. Even Peter is married? Or is it only I and Barnabas? And so while some people give up everything to be married, for Paul, he gave up marriage for the sake of getting out the gospel. Now let me give you one caveat here, folks. If you're already married, don't give up marriage for the sake of the gospel. Stay married for the sake of the gospel, amen? A little louder, please, amen? Okay, your spouse needed to hear that. But he, you know, he says, I'm single. Oh, well, here I go. I got to get the gospel out. Here's number three. He gave up compensation from people he ministered to. Now, in this day, churches sensed a great obligation to care for the apostles. And so Peter was cared for. James, John were cared for. And, and he mentions that in here, and, and he's like, verse 6, is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for a living? He's like, so I have to work and minister to you? And he could have used biblical arguments, like look down at verse 13 and 14. He could have used all this, and don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in what is offered at the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. The Lord has commanded it, and he was not being compensated. And some people would say, you know what? I'm not getting paid. I don't, I don't, I can't get the gospel out. I wish I got some compensation, then maybe I could get the gospel out, but I'm not. I have to work for a living, so there's nothing I could do. And he says, you know what? I'll work and get the gospel out. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with what he did, but he made tents. And he sold them. And then he took the money and he spread the gospel. It wasn't going to stop him in any way, this lack of financial support. He said, I'm on it. I may not have all the money in the world, but I'm going to take what I have, and I'm going to spread the gospel. And here's number four. You look down at verse 19. We didn't get to read this earlier. But he walks into this discussion even on various cultures and people groups that he would be dealing with. And, and he says, you know, I, I'm free and belong to no one, but this is an interesting quote. I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. Not a big deal. The guy was a Pharisee. He knew the law. He understood all of it. But interesting, verse 21, to those not having the law, I became 
like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak. To win the weak I have, and this is quite the quote, I become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in his blessings. He gave up personal preferences. Made himself a slave to everyone. And although he was a Jew, he was a Pharisee, he knew the law. It's interesting that Paul was most known for being the apostle to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews. I want to connect with them. They're the ones he identified with the most. Paul never changed the message, but he did change his approach to the message so that it would be unhindered to the people he was ministering to. And so here we come to this phrase. It's what we're talking about. It's what the pastors are doing all these heroic stunts for during the week on video. And it is all in. We're all in. And it's best determined by what we sacrifice for, what we suffer for, what we put up with, what we give up for. For the Olympian, it's their diet, it's their practice, it's their time with others. For the business person, they give up money and long hours and weekends. And for the parents, it's long nights and shuttling the kids in different places and investing money and time. And for the apostle Paul, when it came to God's church and God's mission, he said, you know what, recognition, don't need it. Married, I'm not married and I'm not going to worry about it. Money, whatever. Preferences, I don't care. He says, I'll give it all up. I'll give it all up. And here's the big thing, and I want to give this to you, and then in just a moment, I want your text message questions, and we'll see what things are pouring in here. This is the phrase I want us to think about. More significant than what we give up is why we give it up. Millions of people have died. But we recognize a select group this weekend because of why they died. Millions of people have died. But on Good Friday and all the other good days of the year, we remember Jesus Christ, not that he died, but why he died. And so here we talk about more significance than, than what we give up. It is why we give up. And if you're in chapter 9, here's the two verses that just need to burn a hole right through us. And I love it, verse 12. But we did not use this right. On the contrary, here's the last part of the verse. We put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. I'll put up with anything so that the gospel of Christ will not be hindered and I don't want it to be slowed down. And if you notice verse 22 and 23, and we read these a little bit earlier, to the weak I became weak, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. 
I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. All of it is the why. Why do we adjust? Why do we sacrifice? Why do we give up? And the whole reason is because there are people who are desperately dying without Jesus Christ. And they need to hear the gospel message that Jesus died for them and they need to belong in a community of others that believe the same thing and live to please him. Paul says there's something more important than my recognition, than my expectations in life, than my money, than my preferences, than my convenience, than my comfort zone. And that most important thing is the one and only message by which anyone can be forgiven. The message of Jesus Christ is the gospel, the good news that he died for us and will eternally forgive all who genuinely trust and believe in his sacrifice for them. I got a couple other things at the end, but I'm curious what's going through your mind about this message. And I'm wondering uh, if we have some text message questions. If you if you have a question, you want to text it in, 231-492-5673. Let's see if there's any questions. Are there any questions popping up yet? Um, why do believers struggle with becoming all in? That's a good question. Um, I don't know about everyone else, but let me just share with you. You know, there are times I struggle with being all in. And uh, I think there's some natural reasons. Like, you know, if you enjoy pain, that's actually a mental disorder, you know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, who really enjoys going through loss? Oh, that sounds nifty. You know, sign me up. Who really wants to go through that? And, and so I think naturally there are some things that we enjoy or long for or appreciate and and so there may be some struggle with that i'll tell you i'm i'm just being honest another reason why we struggle with being all in i'm just being honest for me sometimes i'm just stinking selfish and i don't think i'm the only one sometimes i just like things my way Here's another reason why sometimes I can struggle with being all-in. It's because there's a lot of competition for my all-in. You know what I'm talking about? Like, there's a lot of things in my world that want me to be all-in. And, and if you don't, don't believe me, you just watch the commercials on TV, and they all want you to buy in, to go, you know, get in on this. You know, you pull up Facebook, and there's all these ads some reason I have ads that pop up for filling in hair loss and tummy wrap and I have I'm like are these is there a camera on me like how do they know this you know there's a lot of competition out there and so um, here's another reason there's some churches that don't challenge their people to be all in there's some guys that'll stand up here or some people that stand up here and they'll say, you know what, you're just great. You're just awesome. I just love you. Put money in the plate. Come back next week. God bless. And um, we've identified our mission here as more and better. 
And so I'm not going to stay. I do love you. I think you're great, but um, I'm going to stand up here and say, you know what? We have a world to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got to do it because the government's not going to do it for us. Um, I don't know any other community group that's charged with the mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's us, gang. We've got to do it. So some of it's the church's fault, too. I don't know if that answers that question, but there you go. Uh, let's go with another one. Can we say the mission of the church is to look upon the glory of Christ, then look to this dying world and shine the glory of Christ upon it? I think that's awesome. And I'm not sure who wrote that, but that's, um, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and just succinctly, we just take that and we say, you know what? Um, he wants us to make more and better. That's, that glorifies God. What better compliment is there to someone than imitation? And we say, God, we want to glorify you by getting as many people together who will imitate and live like you live. That's ultimately glorifying God. Great, great thought. I love it. Okay, next. How do you become all things to everybody in order to win them to Christ without burnout or compromising the message? Um, I'm glad it didn't say in 30 words or less. Wow. Um, you know, the one thing, what I can say for us is... Um, we initially try to connect here in this region in our generation in this culture and we try to connect here we are missionaries to northern michigan and so i try to connect northern michigan e and and so if there is someone that we put on the mission field in Africa, I do not want them to be northern Michigan-y to Africa. You be African-y to Africa. And you connect with those people in their culture because Jesus came for the globe and not just for one specific cultural expression. And so, you know, that's the big deal. I, I will tell you my passion is to hold true to the message and i'm being transparent if ever this message changes i i want to see i want to see about 500 people follow me back to my office on sunday morning and say pastor i think we changed our message if we strip the message then we ultimately have no mission because the message is what changes people's lives so there needs to be group accountability, and I know our elders are keen on making sure our message does not change. And I don't think we need to water down our message to reach people. In fact, the reality is, it is a clear message, mostly, that reaches them. We're just talking about methodology and things like that. And burnout, wow, that is a toughie. Um, even Jesus took a little time out. I don't want you to get thinking about this right now because we're not done, but even Jesus took time out on a boat. But don't get up and leave yet. Okay? Even he got away from people to refresh, 
He just didn't stay there. And he came back and he connected with him. And we do need to watch out. I've been there. I'm sure many of you have been there. We just work, 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 work. And there's not a whole lot left in the tank. And we do need to be concerned about that. How do you do it all? It, you, you need to be in a community with other people that are doing the same thing. And we watch out. We make sure that we're doing this thing right. Next. Last one. Last one. Unless it's hard, then we'll go to a different one. Uh, if we have freedom in Christ, why do we need to give up anything? I may not be reading that right. Um, maybe, let's see if I'm reading this right. If we have freedom in Christ, why do we need to give up anything? You don't. Unless it's sin, then you better give it up because you don't have freedom of sin. Um, but for you personally, you don't. However, if we want to reach someone beyond us, then we need to think about them. That's what Paul did. Paul didn't get in there and say, you know what, here's how I like everything. And this is the way I want the church in Antioch and Galatia and Corinth and everyone to do it. Now he's like, hey, um, if you're reaching Jewish people, kind of be Jewish. Now you don't, you don't change the message. You want to reach the Gentiles, you know what? You, you better understand them. You better connect with them. And so if it's a matter of you in your personal life, I'd say enjoy Jesus and your worship and love of him in your personal life. However, if you're going to be a missionary in Africa or northern Michigan or whatever, you need to think about the people that are around you if we want to have an impact beyond ourselves. I may not have answered that well. Uh, I may not have understood it right. If I didn't, I apologize. Um, and we may have other questions. Man, I love this. This is great. We may have other questions popping in. We're going to be doing this over the next five weeks beyond today. And, um, and so uh, make sure you bring your cell phone. And be ready to ask questions as we talk about other subjects and go along the next, um, the next little bit. I want you to think about um, something as we finish up. Two quotes I want to give us. One is by John Henry Jowett. It's right there. I think it's on your notes. And this is the truth. Ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing the last one is by a famous 19th century philosopher um, Soren Kierkegaard who had a knack for exposing some of the inconsistencies of church Here's what he said. I went into church and sat on the velvet pew. I watched as the sun came shining through the stained glass windows. The minister dressed in a velvet robe opened up the gilded, golden gilded Bible, marked it with a silk bookmark, and said, 
any man will be my disciple, said Jesus, let him deny himself. Take up his cross. Sell what he has. Give it to the poor. And follow me. And he closed his Bible and sat down. Father, I'm just asking that you continue to fuel our passion for a mission of making more and better followers of Jesus. God, I'm not asking for comfort or ease. Lord, I'm not asking that this would be a simple thing. But Father, I'm asking that you would grow amongst us in this special family. A resolve that even if it's not easy, even if it requires sacrifice, even if we have to give up, adjust, Lord, even if I stretch far beyond my comfort zone to take your message to needy people, God, I pray that you would make that happen here. Lord, I'm just asking, praying, that you would find a very willing people that would hold nothing back so that the gospel of Christ would be unhindered in any way. We have to say thank you for what you've already done here. It gives us hope and it gives us heart. Frankly, it just makes us excited. I pray you keep doing it. May we lay it all down, put it all out. give ourselves to you. All these be said. Amen. We've uh, been in a culture in our church ministries that have been able to partake with a lot of awesome quotes. One of my favorites, hope I don't botch it, he is no fool. He is no fool to give up but he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Think about that. And Jesus said it even better. He says, if you want to follow me, take up your cross daily. Deny yourself and follow me. These next five weeks, we're talking about how do we become all in? What do we give? How can he use that? But you don't have to wait for next Sunday to start the discussion in your mind. Just think about it. What can I give? What can I do? Who can I be? How can I live? Let's all think about being all in. But God bless the next day or so for you here with a little time off with family. So glad you spent time with this family. Safety this weekend. 
Look for you next Sunday. God bless.